Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Got an exciting episode in store today where I welcome in Heather Monahan as my guest. She is a best selling author, a keynote speaker, a TEDx speaker, and the founder of Boss in Heels. Her first book, Confidence Creator, shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list the first week it debuted on Amazon. And she also has a very successful podcast called Creating Confidence, which debuted in the top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts when it launched, having noteworthy guests such as Sarah Blakely and Gary Vaynerchuk, to name a few. I hope you all really enjoyed this interview as much as I did having it. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Heather Monahan. Let's get it started. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you a little bit. Been following you online for a little while and seeing some of your story. And and you're you're one of those perfect guests for the Just Get Started podcast because, you know, at least from what I've seen, right? Someone hey, had a career, built your way up, gotten the C-suite, kind of like you checked all the boxes of what society tells you you're supposed to do, right? And then you get fired. Um, and then you kind of had this whole shift, which is really what I want to talk about a little bit, but I want to start with an interesting question. I, I don't know how much you've talked about before or, or has come up, but before you got fired, what did, what were the days or weeks prior to that? Where was your mindset at that point? Were you happy with the job? Were you excited for the next level? Where, where were you at at that point? No, you know, I talk about this in my TED talk about, you know, the need to fire your villains when you're in a toxic situation. I was in a really awful situation at work, but I, I used to always say, I have golden handcuffs, you know, I'm paid so much and I can't walk away from my team and I'm stuck here. And like words have power, right? So the, that visual that I would create in my mind, telling myself and telling others, I'm stuck here. There's nothing else I can do. I never stopped to think about hey, what if I go and start my own company? Hey, what if I take my unique talents somewhere else and, and derive value and, and revenue? And it took me getting fired from that situation to have that epiphany that I could go wherever I want and do the same things I had done in that company that had great impact and delivered results. I could take those talents wherever I wanted to go. I was so stuck in thinking that this is what I'm good at. This is the lane I belong in. This is the job I belong in. And I had a non-compete, non-solicit for 18 months, I believe. So in my mind, this is what I'm good in this industry, this job. If I can't go to a competitor, which I couldn't, or I'd be sued and lose a ton of money. So I could, that wasn't an option. I just felt locked in, stuck. And I, you know, this woman hated me that I, that was my peer. She ultimately was my, you know, became the CEO, but you know, it was just all this negative backstabbing, kind of, the kind of BS that anyone who's been in corporate America has witnessed. Hopefully you haven't been the brunt, you know, how to deal with the brunt of it. Maybe you have, but it, it's that really uncomfortable, the uncomfortable looks, the passive aggressive behavior that eventually for me, it was eroding on me for a two year window. And I ended up throwing my back out. I was losing my hair. I mean, my body was screaming to get my attention that something's wrong, right? I was miserable. And it, it definitely took a toll on me. And um, the weeks leading up, she had, she had just gotten promoted and she was asking for ridiculous things from me, huge deals to get closed and everything accelerated. 
And I just never really thought she was going to fire me, but I just thought she was being so unrealistic. Now that I look back, she knew exactly what she was doing. She was trying to get me to deliver on as many things as I could before she got rid of me. And she must've had a list she was checking off, you know, things she wanted done. And I didn't, I didn't see it coming oddly enough, which I know a lot of people can't believe that I didn't, but I, I was shocked. Was it one of those things where you guys didn't get along, but you're like, yeah, she would never get to the point of fire. Like, yeah, we'll just go along this same kind of game for, for the next several years. Yeah, she had never, she was funny thing is she's the only other woman on this in the C-suite, right? And uh, unfortunately, she was, she did not play nice instead of being collaborative and really uplifting. However, she would join all these, you know, groups, uplifting women in media. And it, it nauseated me, drove me cuckoo because here I was the one, you know, sitting right next to her at the table every week working together for 14 years and never once, you know, did she try to do anything to extend a hand to me or uplift me. She would constantly sabotage me I'd come to the table with ideas and then she'd take my idea and give it to somebody else to run with instead of empowering me to you know see things just uh, enough she fired my assistant on you know unbeknownst to me crazy really crazy things and so you know dealing with that in the workplace was just it was awful but I I kind of thought in the back of my mind she's a very smart woman very well educated she'd been the CFO for years the whole time I had been there and while she was the antithesis of me, she was very good at her job. And, and I felt that, you know, as much as she might not be a fan personally of me, she knows I do a great job and it would never come to that. And thank goodness it actually did. Yeah. Well, so I want to pry just a little bit more into that because you mentioned your, your, your hair were falling out, your, your health wasn't great. Were you, you said you hadn't even really thought about it. So like, did you just like feel empty inside them, like going home each night? Was it just like, God, but I'm getting paid so much money. Like, was it that, was that the tussle of just like, I'm getting paid enough, but no, I, I, I don't want to take a leap. Like how was that internal monologue, I guess? Cause I, I know I struggle yeah. with that. And I know a lot of people listening prior are as well. Yeah. So the dynamic of the situation was while it was a publicly traded company, it was really a family company, right? So the majority of the people in the C-suite were family members. I was the only one that wasn't. And I was very close to her brother, who was the president of the company. And he had been the person that I really directly reported to between he and the, and the CEO, which was their father, very much removed, you know, an absentee leader. Really, the brother was the one leading the company. And so he and I had this tremendous relationship for 14 years. And we were really, we saw things very similarly. We got along personally, collaboratively, we worked together. We always kind of had each other's backs and we had this great environment and and leadership uh, strategy together and operations. She was always off on another side. As things changed the last two years was when their father became ill and he chose the daughter, which no one saw coming to be the one elevated, not the brother. So my nightmare began when she, became elevated in the interim period. But when it was this interim period, I just kind of dismissed it that, you know, it's not, I'll just get through whatever this interim is and it's going to go back to normal. You know, he's not going to turn the company over to her. And so that was what I played with in my mind at first was it'll go back. It'll be fine. I don't, I can temporarily deal with this. And then when it became official, you know, I had a very serious conversation with her brother. I said, listen, I am Petra. I was crying. I said, you know, this is, I, I can't do this. This woman hates me. 
And he said to me, listen, you know, she doesn't like you, but so what? She knows how good you are. And at the end of the day, it's her neck on the line now. She's got to deliver. She, she would never fire you. And she can't fire you without my consent and the family's consent. And that's not going to happen. And so I kind of just took that as, okay, let's just, Heather, make it work. You know, I can get people to like me. I'll try harder. I'll be responsible for this. And that, you know, taking total responsibility for how someone else feels about you, you can't do that, right? Yeah. But I was trying to find a way to make it work because of my fear of that unknown world, world, fear of going out and having to find something outside of what I was familiar with. Yeah. Well, so you got kind of forced into that, right? Were you, what was the, those first few days after? Were you thinking of going to, hey, let me go work for another company or what? what I, talk me through that, that talk, I guess. Was it? or always the idea that day or so after like, Hey, I'm, I'm going forward with this. I'm going to do my own thing. I got the talent. I have the experience. Like I'm just going to go that route. Like how did those conversations go again internally? And I think we always have those internal discussions in our mind, right. That we don't say out loud um, that, that really are the biggest tussles that we go through in life. Yeah. You know, for me, because I had that non-solicit non-compete, knowing that I had that 18 month window that I couldn't show up at another competitor doing the same thing I'd been doing. That was my network. That was my world. So I felt like I was wiped out of my space that I had expertise and I had a big name in it and a big brand. In, and I was petrified. I didn't know where to go. And then over those next couple of days, I decided nobody's calling me. No one even knows I was fired. I'm just going to put a post up on social media and say, I was just fired and it's horrible. And if mm -hmm. I've ever helped you in any way, I'd love to hear from you today. And that post went viral on LinkedIn. And I heard from so many people. And ultimately I heard from Froggy from the Elvis Duran show. He tweeted at me and he said, I would love to help you. And I tweeted right back. Great. Get me on the show as a guest. And he did. And I flew to New York, went on the show. And while Elvis was interviewing me, he said, Heather, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, well, obviously, but I really wasn't because I didn't even know if I was going to go to work for my, I, I was just telling people I was unemployed. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing yet. Yeah. And that, you know, in that moment, that man, essentially his confidence that I was doing something was transferred to me. And I Googled, how do you write a book? And it said, basically, just sit down and write. And I thought, well, I'm fired. I've got time right now. I'm going to do that. And I sat down and I was very disciplined. And I wrote a book very, very quickly. And then I got an editor so he could teach me, you know, what things I was doing right or wrong and really advance me. And then I self-published. And, and that's how I ended up going to work for myself. It definitely wasn't a plan that I had when I got fired. And, and you talk a lot about confidence as kind of like it's your thing. That's the book. That's the podcast and stuff. Tell me about your kind of uh, the genesis of your confidence. Have, have you been confident in life? Has, has that just happened more recently? Tell me about you know, kind of how that came to you or have you not been confident uh, most of your life? Yeah, when I look back now, I have a lot of clarity now that I am confident, right? It's sort of like you don't know what something is till you arrive at it. I thought there were times in my life where I was really confident whether I was back in my old job and I took a stage for a massive audience and I killed it and everyone was saying, that was amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so good at this. You know, I'm so confident right now. In those moments, I was confident in that situation or in that role, but I still wasn't really confident in myself. And there's a huge difference between ultimately being 
confident, confident in, you know, who you are versus confident in a role or in a position or in a situation or in an act, right? Like a lot of people can be confident when they're at the gym, but they're not really going to be confident when they walk into a room of people that they don't know for a cocktail party, right? So there's all these different environments and scenarios. And back then I would be confident in situations, but not truly confident in who I am as a person. And and some of the ways that I know that is I look back and I would try to dress differently than what I would want to dress because I wanted to please other people or I wouldn't speak up in meetings because I knew it was going to piss somebody else off and I'll just hold on to my ideas. You know, all of those kind of little decisions I was making were showing that I, I was lacking confidence. But in, in the moment, I was so not self-aware. I didn't have a strategy, you know, to become confident. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't, I had no idea. I just, I was in the rat race. I just wasn't noticing. I wasn't being intentional about it. And now it really, it took me getting fired to hit this really low level. You know, my confidence was completely wiped out and rebuilding it from nothing from ground zero taught me what it means to truly be confident, to not care what other people think, to show up like today without my hair and my makeup done and be fine with that. Like, this is who I am. And, and I rock it any way that I choose to. And I'm super proud of that because years ago, I wouldn't do that for fear I'd be judged or somebody would give negative feedback. And, you know, through this whole process, I have learned that it, it matters. There's one voice and opinion that matters in each one of our lives. And that is our own. Uh, that's that's pretty well said, and I think the transformation is one of those things. Again, watching some stuff online, different. You you seem like you're kind of just like this is who I am. Like you know, just kind of take it or leave it. And as we all kind of go through, you know, what do people say? What do they think? You know, oh, should I? Like you mentioned, I'm dressing differently. I think as we overcome that, that ultimately can propel you to a whole different level. Because I I want I want to actually transition a little bit because you talked about the firing the negative people, or you know, you kind of fired her basically. Um, Tell me about the positive people in your life. How important have support systems been and having those right people in your life over the last couple of years, let's say? Yeah, it's been huge. And it was a tough transition. And anyone who's been fired will understand this. And if you haven't been, understand this. You know, my whole business network and world, I had been in that business for 20 years. I had been in that company for 14. So I had a a huge network of people in that industry, specific to that industry, and not much outside of it, which was a flaw and, and something I want people to learn from. But my point is that when I got fired, I stopped hearing from those people, right? So not that people have any angst against you, but you're no longer at the meetings that they're at. You're no longer at the events that they're at. You're, you know, you're out of the circle. And that was a really hard, sad moment for me to realize that although I thought these people were my friends, in the end of the day, they were more work friends. And some of them, of course, have stayed in touch with me, but the majority have not. They carry on with their own life. They carry on you know, with their own industry. So in some regards, it's really been a rebuild of my network over the past two and a half years. And some amazing people have showed up that I did not know who are now some of my closest friends. And they've emerged in that space from when I... I essentially lost the, all these people that I was really close to and spent a lot of time with and now have showed up to support me in, in this, um, in this whole new adventure. Are these, uh, would you count these folks as like mentors or are these just friends that, Hey, I can ping stuff off of what, what types of categories of different folks have you, uh, or maybe it's all the above, obviously, but. No, 
I would say these are friends, like definitely, you know, friends, they'll help me and help me get land guests for my podcast or help me in regards to landing a speaking engagement that I want to go after. They'll know someone and make a phone call for me, you know, but they're, they're definitely friends. Okay, cool. Yeah. God, again, it's one of those things like the importance of having, you know, I've, I've been in some, some poor situations in, in the recent past. And like, again, as you talk about fire, when I, when I heard that, when I was doing some research, the fire, Hey, she thought she was firing me and I fired her. I was like, Oh my gosh, she's speaking my language. That's, that's what I felt I did. And you get these positive people in your life again, that are just so impactful. You didn't even realize, Oh my God, how, how much, you know, could that really help me? And obviously it normally does. Um, so that's really neat. Let me, let me go. So, you write, you're starting to write the book. How do you know what you're going to write on? How, how, how did that idea, how did the idea come to you? Or did you just start writing and be like, ah, it's kind of going down this path. Where, where did that come from? Yeah, I, I had no idea. Right. So I Googled, how do you write a book? And it said, you have to write X amount of hours a day. So I decided I'd write four to five hours a day. And I just wrote, you know, the first day I wrote, I hate this lady that just fired me. And, you know, I just started talking about what I was thinking at first, right? So that whole first week, I think I wrote about her and how much I couldn't stand her and all the awful things she did to me. And then at some point during that week, I started thinking, wait a minute, I, I remember another time I felt like this when I was sexually harassed at work and when this happened and that happened. And I went and pulled my old journals because I, I have journaled my entire life. And I started looking back and saying, I, I felt similar to this. This is similar, maybe not exactly the same, but how did I turn that around? And then I thought, you know what, I should add this story because it's, it's really impactful. And this is a great you know, solution that I had at that time. So I would start writing about that. And then I thought there's probably other times. And I went back and I found so many other instances in my life, essentially the lowest moments in my life and how I leveraged those moments in each incident to create confidence in that moment and how the entire book became a blueprint, an overall blueprint for, for confidence. But I had no idea when I started. I definitely didn't know the first couple of weeks. It was something kind of trial and error that I figured out along the way. What about the fear, though, of putting yourself? And now you had your group, right? You, had your, you mentioned that kind of in, in your realm you were in for 14 years. But the fear of kind of putting yourself out there where no one, you know, the vast majority of people didn't know who you were. You were sharing these very vulnerable stories. How did you come to grips with that? Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Well, I just thought to myself, if I don't put all the bad moments in there, I'm going to be a fraud, right? Because how could I leave out that I was arrested? I had to include that. And that was the big, scary, really scary one for me personally, that I was truly nervous about sharing and getting fired. I'd already reframed as that's in good company, right? Mark Cuban's been fired. Oprah's been fired. So I was fine with that. And once I put it out on social media, it wasn't scary anymore, right? Like once you step into the fear, it dissipates and it loses its power over you. So I knew that I'd seen this movie before, right? I've seen these other instances where I felt scared or shameful. And when I was shining a light on it, it went away. So the big one for me was being arrested. And I, I thought if I leave that out, I'm a, I'm a fraud. I can't write a book called Confidence Creator unless I'm going to go all in. So that was a driving factor for me to be completely transparent. And it was super scary. I'm not going to lie. It's like I tell everyone, it's like going out naked on your balcony for the world to see and know you're going to get ridiculed and judged and slammed and people will hate and not know the feedback you're going to get. Will it help anyone? Will anyone like it? It was just so scary. It was overwhelming. And I almost pulled the plug on it two weeks before it was time for the book to go live. But I did something smart when the fear came in. I called my editor. 
I had written zero books, he had written 19. So he was ahead of me and I called him and I said, I'm freaking out and I think I'm gonna get sued and I think no one's gonna like it. And I, I think I'm gonna get ridiculed and all these things. And he listens and then he says, okay, why did you write the book again? And I said, I wrote it for someone that needs the information, how I needed it. I wish I had this book when I got fired. I wish I had this book when I was a kid. I wish I had this book so many times in my life. He said, so you, you wrote it to help somebody. Is that person gone now? I said, no. And he said, then you need to publish the book. And he reconnected me back to why I was doing it. And, and I said, okay, you're right. I said, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt this scared? And he said, yeah, with my first book. And I realized, okay, but he's had 19. You know, and I felt scared when I had a baby and then it wasn't so scary when you did it, right? Like there's all these times in your life. And I just said, he's right, I'm doing it. Thank you, goodbye, and let's go. And we, we launched. Was there any certain strategy you took in terms of launching? Because you self-published. Um, anything you would recommend other folks um, that are in that process? Yeah, it's flipping hard, right? To do everything by yourself is hard. My second book, I'm actually launching with Harper Collins Leadership, and I'm so excited because now I have a team of people and a team of experts, and that makes me feel so much better because I made tons of mistakes. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea I wasn't going to be able to get into Barnes and Noble and I had to get into Barnes and Noble. So I was knocking on doors and cold calling. And then I was speaking at events and the people couldn't get my book because my book isn't in bookstores mm. and it, they didn't want to buy through Amazon and Amazon wouldn't, you know, discount the pricing and ship directly. I ran into so many headaches and problems self-publishing because I didn't know what I was doing. The cover came back wrong. I'm this one person, right? I don't have this weight in this industry. I'm a rookie. I don't have this credibility or this expertise. And it was hard. But, you know, I'm still super glad that I did it. I made mistakes along the way, but to me, done is better than perfect. And I've helped so many people with my book and I get such amazing feedback. And I have five stars on Amazon, all my reviews and people, you know, it's just amazing the things that I hear back in the reviews I get. So I'm super proud of it. It was so freaking hard. I can't even put into words what that year was like. My entire house turned into a shipping department because I had to be shipping books out in order to get press and to you know do contests and to pitch myself for podcasts. And I literally, I've, the majority of my life that year was shipping and jumping on planes, going to speak at events to mm. promote the book, not knowing you know, if this was a, a good strategy or not. Mm. Well, so you've obviously had this, again, we talk about transformation, especially over the last handful of years. I always like to ask guests, like, what did you think, you know, and you can go back five or 10 years or 15 years, like, what did you think when you were younger that you kind of disproven, especially through this last few year journey where, you know, society always tells us, you know, these are things and we accept them. Is there anything you've kind of disproven that you thought was, was true? Yeah, for sure. So the thing, and I mentioned this already today, but the, the biggest thing was I thought I was good in this lane, sales and sales leadership. You know, this is my place that I can be. I didn't think I could be an author. I didn't even know if that was legal. Like, did you have to take a certain class? To, I, I had no idea. Yeah. And then the idea that I could just be a podcast host, at, I didn't know if that was real. I didn't know if I could launch an online mentorship program, which I've now done. I didn't even know public speaking was a business that people got paid in, right? So I had... It was uncomfortable how much I didn't know. And I've only known because I've taken chances and just moved forward and figured it out along the way. 
I, when you're in the well-lit world of corporate America, climbing the corporate ladder, you see the next spot, you know where you're going, you know who you have to leapfrog to get there, you know who you have to get on your team, it's very clear. And I had been in that environment for 20 years. So I just thought that was all there was for me. I never knew that I could take my unique talents and go wherever I want with them. That was a complete mystery to me. I had, if someone had told me you could be fantastic anywhere and you could be successful in any role, I would have told them they were crazy. I just, I never thought that was possible. Hmm. Well, and you mentioned something earlier. I want to actually circle back to around networking. You said you didn't do a good job early on. You kind of were just in that one lane of the people you knew. Could you share a little bit more about your thoughts on that? I did a great job networking in my industry. In your industry, I a, yes. Right. I had a huge, a huge, massive network within my industry. I did a poor job marketing myself and networking outside of my industry. And that's something that I feel like is really important. And I don't want people to get that tunnel vision like I had. I, I was so focused on the radio and media industry and knowing everybody there. And, and I did a great job of it. However, you know, it would have been much more helpful for me had I had contacts outside of that industry that could have been helping me right away when I wanted to move outside of that industry. I didn't have those. So I had to build them quickly, which can be done, of course, right? It's not ideal, but it can be done. And, and I did it. But it's a lot of work, right? So it's showing up. And I did this, I think it was the first 30 or 60 days after I got fired. I was meeting with everybody and anybody that would take a meeting with me, cold calling people, reaching out to people I had known that maybe were, you know, had a side job as a professor. I need to start figuring out like what other businesses or industries are out there, like who who has opportunity, who knows people they can connect me to. I've got to expand outside of this one small world because I had the non-compete and I couldn't go back to work in that environment. So I had to create an opportunity outside of that world where I knew everyone. And I just, you know, put my foot to the gas and said, I'm going to go meet with everyone and anyone that'll take a meeting. And I'm expanding this net, this network outside of this industry now. And that became a top priority for me. And, and I definitely, social media, of course, makes it much easier to do. I became really aggressive and omnipresent on, on a number of different platforms and that helped tremendously. But really my personal outreach, I think is the biggest, the biggest difference maker for me that's allowed me to, you know, create new friendships and a new network outside of radio and media. And would you, I mean, would you suggest folks like just doing some outreach, random folks, or is it like just posting online different topics away from just their industry that they're in? Is there any, any guidance you'd give on that of how they can get started on, you know, kind of expanding their network? Yeah. I mean, one of the best ways is attending events, whether it be a virtual event or, you know, an in-person event, it doesn't matter. Like start expanding your horizon. I attended some school's virtual event the other day. There was no value for me there, but I just thought, you know what, I should just do it because who knows who I could meet. You just don't know. And that you can meet that one person that's going to change your flipping life, right? So answer the DM when someone, you know, some stranger messages you on LinkedIn and they're in the aviation industry that has nothing to do with you respond back and and see if there's any interest there or, or value there or connection there and those are the things i've really leaned into doing you know any opportunity that comes i'm jumping on it and it doesn't matter if you see the value in that moment you may see it a year two three years from now well, you came on this podcast, so I appreciate I appreciate that after I reached out. So there you go. Um, let's talk about podcasting for a minute now. So when did you decide to, obviously, yeah, I have to ask, you had Gary be on, you, got, you chatted with Gary, who's I've been watching and following since 2011. So um, 
tell me about the getting into podcasting and again, another angle, putting yourself out there a little bit more than the book, where obviously you have to be, you know, you're kind of on, if you will, every episode, every interview. Talk me through that process a little bit, why you decide to go that route. That's funny. So I think podcasting is so much easier than writing a book. Uh, it's less scary because you can always do a better job next week, right? Like you can evolve and grow. When you do a book, this is it. It doesn't change. Like it's stuck. So you're stuck with it, whether you like it or not after the fact. And to me, podcasts can always evolve and, and grow. So for me, I wrote the book. I went out on the speaking trail. And then while I was out on the speaking trail that I was not getting paid for, somebody offered to pay me. And I said, oh my gosh, you can get paid for this? I can get paid to speak? So I started Googling you know, speakers and have, getting paid to speak and fees. And I started researching and calling people. And then I realized, okay, I need to lean into this as a business. And I, so I started building up my speaking business. And while I was doing that, which took a year and a half essentially to, to build, I was talking to other people. Are there other ways I should be marketing myself? I should be you know, promoting myself. And someone said, you should, you'd be great as a podcast guest. You have a great story to tell. You're a very good speaker, you know, start pitching yourself for podcasts. So I said, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll try anything. Like you're going to have to try multiple things and many things before you find out what works. So I started going on very small podcasts at first, anyone and everyone that I could pitch myself to. And I started getting the hang of it and thinking, okay, I'm not so nervous anymore. I think I'm a pretty good guest. I started giving my book away for, you know, value so that I would be an attractive guest to people. I'll give away signed copies of my book. I'll, you know, I'll support your audience. And I started learning, you've got to research the audience and the show you're going on so you can add value. And so I was learning more and more about the industry. And I jumped on a call with one of my old friends from media one day. And I said, you can't believe this. I didn't know much about podcasting and you know, I'm, I'm actually showing up doing a good job as a guest. She said, well, Heather, I can get you on any show you want. You know, that that's, I, she spends a billion dollars a year in podcast and she places the ads and, and I said, get out of here. She said, let me make a couple calls. I'll get you on some really big shows. So she, basically I was pulling a favor from my old industry that I wasn't even thinking. She connected the dots for me yeah. and she landed me on some huge shows, ultimately on the lady gang, which is a really large show in LA that show blew up my book. I, I couldn't believe how many books I sold as a result of going on that show. While I was in LA, I said, I, I just kind of thought to myself, this thing is big. This industry is way bigger than I realized. I need my own show. And when that show, that episode that I went on with Lady Gang, it went to number 20 on, on the top Apple podcast chart for society and pop culture. I took a screenshot of it. And I emailed it to the CEO of Podcast One, which is who owned Lady Gang Show. And I said, thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest on your show. Thank you so much for supporting me. I can't believe how well the show did. I'm so grateful. I'm in LA. Is there any chance I can come by and thank you in person? And of course he said, yeah, sure. You know, she just wants to thank me. But really I wanted to go in there and pitch him on bringing me on and launching a show with me. And so within 10 minutes of meeting him, he said, you need your own show. I said, you think so? Oh my gosh, so do I. <laughs> and so we, you know, put my show together, which took about six months or so and launched my show. Wow. Pretty good. What, uh, remind me, how many episodes have you done so far? 53. I just, it was a year, I think a week ago. So yeah, 53 episodes. Congrats on that. I think most Thank people you. stop after like 11. So good. To, I, I don't know if that's the exact number, but you know, 
people start and then stop. But uh, so kudos to you. Yeah, keep keep it going. Again, I, I like the conversational nature of it. Um, and I think it's one of those things where there's so much out there, right? I mean, there's, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of podcasts. So again, if people can find yours and, and figure out like, hey, you know what, this is a good angle for me in terms of mindset. And I think that's a good thing. So, you know, kudos to you for getting that going. Um, you're doing the book, you're writing another book, you're doing podcasting, speaking. I want you to uh, share a little bit about how you manage all this. Do you have any habits that you follow, things that are kind of helping you? You're also, am I, am I right, a single mother? Is that right? Yeah. A single mother as well. So talk me through how that whole thing works. How, how do you manage the day, whether it's time management or just, again, mental management, if you will, um, to get through each day? Yeah, I mean, I ultimately work harder than the majority of people out there. I'll just be honest with you, right? And I've also, I'm 45 years old. So I have a tremendous amount of business experience. I've seen things done the right way, done the wrong way. So now the great thing about being my age now is I have all this built up experience. I know the hacks. I know the importance of staying organized. I know the importance of having different file folders on my computer and scheduling things out with my Calendly. I know how to connect my Zoom to my Calendly so that I don't have to take an extra step when I want to have a meeting invite sent to someone. I know how to optimize my schedule and block out my day. I know how to put myself first and make sure that my workout, my time with my son happens, right? So I, I've been doing all these things for a long time. And I also know that if you don't take massive action every day, nothing great is going to happen in your life. So I just, I live, I live like that. And, and I really like owning my own company. I like working for myself and I just, I, I love helping people and getting paid to do it. It's, it's just kind of, it's surreal. So you, you need to find a job that is purpose-driven, that you love what you're doing, that's meaningful to you, that you jump out of bed excited, you know, to be a part of. And, and the more that you gravitate towards that, the more you'll feel excited and motivated to do that job and take on more and take more risks and take more action, the more success that you'll create. I want to go down that tangent just for a minute, the consistency that comes up so much is you have to keep putting in the work, right? And we were just talking about the podcast, right? People stop after 11. Hey, at least they tried, I guess. But it's the consistency. Can you talk a little bit more about that, the importance of that, especially with this journey versus obviously the other roles you have, but for this specific journey that you're on the last few years in putting in the work each and every day, even though sometimes it is a grind, you got to do admin work. No one wants to do all that. You know, how important is that for, for people listening in that do want to get on their own you know, path that's newer than they're doing now? Yeah. So this just reminds me of sales 101, right? If you build a pipeline of prospects, if every day you call and I'm making it up 50 cold calls, right? 50 prospects, then the next 30 days, you're going to start transitioning and converting some of these into revenue and close deals. It's just a, it's a numbers game. And life is like sales. So if you're building the pipeline, the results will come a month, two months later, whatever your sales cycle is. Business and being an entrepreneur is exactly the same way. If you're trying to get podcast guests, it's a numbers game. You need to reach out to X amount of people in order to close them. So for me, I'm always looking at my calendar and looking at my activity levels, my pipelines, whether it be I'm reaching out, pitching my new book, or I'm reaching out, pitching myself for speaking engagements, or I'm reaching out, pitching people to be on my show, whatever it may be, whatever that you know goal is that you have, are you filling that pipeline consistently day in and day out? And you'll be able to see, you know, you can see if you are, if you're not in the results, right? Because are the results there? And at different times, you can reflect back and say, wow, in 
you know, X month, February, I was killing it. That's because I put the work in in December and January and the results showed up in February. Well, in this month, you know, once COVID hit, I, I'm not getting the same kind of results. Well, I've got to pivot my strategy. It wasn't just a numbers game anymore. Now I've got to change the way I'm doing it. So that was an interesting, you know, challenge to face. For me, my business was being out speaking at large events and that went away. So I thought to myself, well, I had a mini nervous breakdown initially. And then I thought, okay, how can I bring my unique value to marketplace only through a computer? And I started pitching myself for virtual speaking engagements, which has picked up. It's not as big as what it used to be when we were still in person, but that's a new revenue stream for me. And then I, I thought, what are the things people ask me for that I, I haven't been able to deliver on? I get messages all the time. Can you mentor me? I'd love it if I could get a coaching session with you. I never had time to do that. So I thought, hang on, Pete, there's a need for that in the marketplace. I'm asked about it. I'm going to deliver on it now. And I just went on social media and I posted launching my uh, new mentoring program, May 1st. I'm only going to take 15 people and, you know, hit me back here to sign up or whatever it was. And, and I sold that program out. And now that's a new part of my business that's growing for June and, and moving on. But all those things take action steps. And it's really helpful to you know, keep those things in your calendar and look back and reflect on your deliverables, what you're getting done, and those pipelines that you've been building along the way. Well, and you talk about the pipeline, actually, because you post a lot on social media, right? A lot on LinkedIn, um, a lot of interaction there, right? And that probably, if you look a, a bunch of years ago, right, you probably did maybe as much, maybe not as much, you know, depending on, you know, where you were at in your particular role. So I think I'm assuming that's, you know, from a pipeline standpoint, where you're finding there's a lot of, you're building that brand, right? Um, through social media. So that's, a, that's part of that practice. It's not just doing the admin work, doing the, the mentorship, what have you. It's also having to build that pipeline early on. Do you do that normally on social media? Do you have any other avenues? Obviously the podcast and stuff, but any other ways that you're, you know, have worked for you? Uh, maybe unique, I guess, uh, people wouldn't think of? Yeah, my email list, right? It's really important to own something. And in case social media goes away tomorrow, you want to mm -hmm. have your email list. That's really important. So I've been building that for years, for four years. I'm, I'm really grateful for that community. That's a really important piece. Uh, social media is great. I post so much more now as a, I work for myself versus when I did before. So my social media, specifically LinkedIn, has grown organically a lot over the, the past few years. And even just being home during the coronavirus and quarantine, I'm able to post more because I'm just not traveling so much. Yeah. I do have someone that helps me with my social media, though. And I, it's important people know that, that they don't think that I'm just one person, you know, creating content at this level because I post ad nauseum so much. And it was actually Gary B. I went on Gary B's show as a guest in November. And he said to me when we were in that exchange, he said, I want to help you, Heather. And the number one thing that you're failing on right now is you do not post with enough frequency on social media. And I said, well, you know, I don't want to spam people. I don't want to give them too much. And he goes, oh no, the only way to break through is to post, you know, 15 times a day. That's what his goal was for me. And he said, I'm really going to challenge you to do it. And I just thought to myself, I can't walk out of Gary Vee's office and not at least attempt to deliver on that. And let's give it a litmus test and let's see, is he right? You know, is that unique to him? Uh, or is this something that maybe, you know, he's right about? So I definitely have gone all in on that and increased my frequency. And you know what? The interesting thing is since the quarantine, everybody's increased their frequency of posting, I think. So it's definitely a more competitive, you know, tougher to get uh, eyeballs on your posts, but some of the results have been really good too. 
All right, so let me ask you this. You got, you got to go all the way back in the, the way back machine here. Um, so we're going to go back to like high school, college area. What would you get? What advice? You have one piece of advice. You got a post-it note, a very small piece of paper to write on. But what one piece of advice would you give to that younger self, knowing what you know now? Believe in yourself and act on your ideas over everything and anything else. I had so many freaking amazing ideas in my life that I just never put into motion because so-and-so wouldn't like that and it would upset my company I'm working for or I should just stay in my lane. You know, and I just, I let those opportunities pass by and I'm, I'm really grateful I've stepped out of that mode now and I don't live in lanes any longer, but I wish I had had that knowledge and belief when I was younger. Great advice. Where, where can people find you online? Where's the best way? Obviously all the social sites, but is your website the, the probably the center point? Yeah. So I have a website, heathermonahan.com. My book is Confidence Creator. That's on Amazon and on Audible. And my show, Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, is anywhere podcasts can be found. And I'm at Heather Monahan on all social media. Are you able to share anything? You said you have a, the new book. Are you still writing that? Is that in your finish? Where, where's that at? I wrote, yeah, I've already written the book. Now, what's interesting, I'm learning when you work with a publisher, you have to submit it to them and then they'll tell you, you know, we like this part, we don't like this uh, part. So it will be, it's going to evolve. It's no longer just me. And if I like it, it's fine. So yeah. I, I'll have to wait on, you know, their feedback and their changes that they have. But, you know, essentially I, I've got the book pretty much pulled together and we'll be submitting that in the next couple of months to them for their review and, and see where it goes from there. But it's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, I appreciate taking time out and, and sharing some of your story on here. It was fun to talk with you and uh, hope to stay connected soon. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And if this is your first time stopping by the podcast, grateful to have you. Thanks for coming by and hope to have you on the next one. If you are getting some value out of these podcasts, please head over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. I certainly would appreciate it. Um, actually, you might be listening to this on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to my show and scroll to the bottom, and you'll see where you can leave a rating and review. As always, I love to connect with folks online. If you want to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, drop me a line there, or on Instagram and Twitter, at brianondraco, or LinkedIn, just search my name, and we can connect further that way. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.